Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome back to the uh, Brisbane Property Podcast, the usual weather update, no doubt, from Brisbane. <laughs> uh, beautiful, sunny, um, I think it's about 20 degrees today, but um, beautiful blue sky, so Lovely, lovely winter's day up here in uh, sunny Brisbane. And just before we hit record, Scott asked me, should I give them a weather update? And I said no. So there you go. It just goes to show we don't really um, listen to what we each say. But um, welcome back, everybody. We've got a great episode today um, planned for you. We're going to be talking about some of the biggest fears that buyers have in the current Brisbane market and what you need to do to overcome those. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. We get a lot of phone calls, um, inquiries, even from current clients. Um, and it's interesting to hear um, some of the questions that people ask us about and, and just feeling and understanding the fears that they actually have in the um, current market, um, missing out and FOMO, I guess a lot of people say that it is as well. Yeah, FOMO is obviously where it all starts, but digging a bit deeper, it's a, you know, acronym that we all hear about but we really want to understand why people are getting that FOMO and um, and then what happens even when you are able to secure a property because there's different fears that come into play there and obviously we work with buyers every single day so we know what these fears are we can almost identify when we can expect our buyers to move through various stages of this process and um, we really want to make that um, or share that experience with everybody so that you understand what might happen, especially with the current market conditions. And and you do understand that. Obviously, it's it's a big commitment for people um, to spend uh, an amount of money, you know, a million dollars thereabouts or more, um, sometimes a bit less. But it, it is a big commitment um, and hopefully it's a smart um, investment that they uh, that they need to work with. So let's just run through a couple of things that we do here, we do see and hopefully be able to help out with um, helping people understand what we sort of do to help them as well. Yeah, we've come up with a few um, items. Now, the first thing that I know people are concerned about, one of their biggest fears, is there's actually not enough to buy. There's really not enough properties uh, that are coming to the market for sale. Um, We do know listing volumes, uh, according to CoreLogic data, are down about 30% compared to 12 months ago. That's total listings that are on the market. Um, What we're seeing is new listings are about the same in Brisbane uh, compared to this time last year, but the total listings are down. Now, what that means is that sales volumes have been increasing and buyers have been purchasing not just new stock, but also old stock. So um, that's why we're seeing listing volumes as a whole start to shrink. Um, And it is a genuine concern for buyers. I know, you know, a lot of people do reach out to us because they want to get access to properties that are not currently listed on realestate.com or domain, other major real estate portals, because, you know, it is a frustration waiting for the right property to come up. Yeah. So I guess we've, we have talked about that. People say all, all the time, buying off market all the time. But as we've mentioned in other episodes, um, just be careful of not overpaying basically when those those two come up because um, sellers are not silly and, and they will, if, to sell it off market and not go out to the market where there's a lot of buyers, um, they will obviously expect a good price for it. So one thing I do notice, um, what we do regularly here in-house is not only are we out talking to agents and, and trying to um, work with opportunities for clients, but also refreshing all the time on real estate and domain. Um, I've noticed listings have probably increased a little bit 
Um, from what we see here, there seems to be more coming to the market. They're selling pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be a bit more coming along to the market. That area seems to have loosened up and softened a bit. So that that's looking a bit more promising as well for the buyers that um, there might be some more properties coming up. And I think the biggest thing with low listing volumes is that you must learn to be patient. I think that impatience and buying just for the sake of getting into the market can really cost you more in the long run. I don't think that property is the sort of asset, whether it's a home or an investment that you should be making a rushed decision into. And you really don't want to let FOMO impact on your buying decision because this is a long-term asset class. When you buy a home, generally you're buying for many years. Also, when you're buying an investment, it is generally a long-term investment. So you do not want to be impatient. It's really important that you are waiting for the right opportunity that is a perfect match for your brief and then give it your all when it does um, come to the market and it is a property that um, is perfect for what you're after. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely be be patient. Um, don't rush into things. Um, obviously, when those properties do come up, as you mentioned then, Linda, um, when you say do go for it, um, mm. I guess what people don't understand is what value is and what they see um, when they look at comparative market analysis, which is always historical, what it is actually worth now in this current market. And and people are always talking about that the market's moved and it's it's gone up and all these types of things. The, the market is the market. It, the prices you pay now, that is just what the market actually is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just got to get used to that. Um, but overpaying, I guess that's one of the big fears that people will have and, and buyers do have of thinking they're overpaying. Absolutely. Without a doubt, overpaying is a huge fear that buyers have um, all across Brisbane at the market. There's so many buyers, the demand is so strong, and yet with um, really limited uh, a limited number of properties available for sale, we do have a situation where prices are escalating. And you know, depending on the scarcity of a specific property, we can see prices really um, stretch well beyond what a typical comparative sale um, tells us the value is worth. And I think that leads us into a discussion around looking at comparative sales and understanding what a true comparable sale is versus where the value of a property lies. And value can be very subjective because value for one person can be very different to value for another person because there's so many emotional drivers that can determine the value of a property for an individual. A home buyer, for example, might see value at a different level simply because it is in the perfect location. It's in the right school catchment zone. It's within walking distance to their favorite coffee shop. That might bring a lot more value for that individual, especially if they've been waiting for that perfect location for the last six months. Compare that to an investor who may see value at a lower level um, because they're really looking at the capital growth opportunity as well as the uh, rental return or the yield that they're going to generate. So value can be quite subjective and I think that's really important to understand and Um, value may not always align with the comparative sales that you're looking at because every property is different. The location is different. The house is different. um, And the combination of that two together combined to determine the price. So comparative sales can be very difficult to rely on purely in a market um, like the market in Brisbane right now, where you've got a lot more buyers than sellers. So you've got huge demand. And for every property that 
uh, becomes available for sale, you have multiple buyers either bidding at auction or putting forward an offer under a multiple offer situation. Yeah, I think I think that understanding the properties and, and what you're talking about of what the property is and the scarcity and what what it actually can be done with it or what can't be done with it. Um, there's a lot of advertising around at the moment. I'm hearing about knockdowns, um, knockdown and rebuilds. Um, you know, just over the last couple of weeks in the same suburb, um, we went to auctions, both knockdowns, similar sort of size block of land, one little bit different slope and whatnot. But, you know, one sells for 850 and one sells for 1.39 mil. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a big difference, but you need to understand what that difference is to understand what we probably look at and say, well, that's what we think the value is and that's what it's worth. Um, so obviously then understanding that value and, and doing that comparison, which we do in-house um, and not just relying on that other the other data that you get as well. Interestingly, just off the back of that story, um, the two auctions that Scott referred to um, were only three days apart. The first auction was the property that sold for $850,000. The second auction was the property that um, sold for $1,390,000. Now, there were two available knockdown properties in an area only four kilometres from the CBD. When the first auction took place, um, other buyers turned up to the second auction and that's now a more scarce commodity. Potentially, um, that can drive the value. So it does come back to scarcity. Uh, when buyers don't have many options, sometimes they'll stretch well above um, the other comparative sales in an area because the value to them is um, based on the fact that they might not get another property that matches that brief, you know, in the near future. So they do stretch beyond what they're comfortable paying. Yeah, and as you mentioned as well, home buyers look they get a bit more emotional. Um, so they sometimes get a bit a bit desperate and a bit more emotional compared to investors. Investors, the numbers need to stack up, and they also need to stack up on the on this, the exit side of it. So what you actually might buy, for example, that knockdown, then you put your build costs and all your holding costs, everything on top of that, you need to understand what you'll actually sell it for as well. Yeah, and I think just, um, you know, touching on that scarcity factor, I know when we're looking even for investors, we do look for scarcity in an opportunity. I mentioned that properties that are more scarce will attract a premium simply because there's fewer of them. And remember, property values are driven by the balance between supply and demand. So if you're buying something that's rare and scarce, um, you're limit, you've got you're buying something that's limited in supply and providing that's in an area where there's very high demand for that type of opportunity, you're going to draw in those emotional buyers and those emotional buyers are the home buyers and they do buy um, based on factors that may not be related to comparative sales as much as related to emotional drivers such as, you know, being in the right location, in the right school catchment um, in the right suburb based on their lifestyle. So I know we always complete a comparative market analysis for our clients um, to help them understand where the property uh, price should fall. However, we're consistently also coaching our clients to help them understand what other buyers might be prepared to pay in the current market because you know, the value for our buyers uh, may be at a different level to the value for other buyers. And it's important for us to understand what other buyers might be prepared to pay in the current market. Because obviously, if you don't see value where other buyers see value, you simply have to continue the search. Um, alternatively, you have to be prepared to pay 
the price where other see where other buyers see value in order just to buy. It is the current market. Um, however, the the new sales that are being recorded right now become the comparative sales for the future. So it's really important to understand the difference between looking, you know, objectively it's comparative sales, and then looking at where people see value, which is very much a subjective um, assessment. So obviously, then you, you're buying a property, you're doing that little stretch. I, I guess that leads us to the next um, fear of people, what they would have is probably whether it's going to value up. Absolutely. And this is a big fear that um, a lot of buyers have in the current market. One thing I will say is that when a property sells by public auction, um, every buyer's bid is a recorded bid and it would be very, very unusual for a property not to um, value up in those instances. And in fact, I've never heard of that situation arising because there's a written record of where every what every buyer was prepared to pay for that property. However, as we know, and as we've pointed out a number of times in past episodes, Brisbane's not a market that's dominated by auction sales. We have a lot of properties that sell by private treaty. And in the current market, what that means is that most properties are selling under a multiple offer situation. Now, in multiple offer, of course, there's no record of what other buyers are prepared to pay other than what the sales agent themselves may collect. Um, And that may not be enough evidence to provide to a valuer to support the purchase price paid. So as a buyer, it's absolutely critical that you understand what the implications are of putting forward an offer um, that may not be supported by recent comparative sales. When you are looking at a valuer's report, valuations or valuers generally rely on settled sales. Um, Now, remember, settled sales are recorded in RP data and it's looking backward. They're at least four weeks old. So if the market continues to move and in Brisbane, you know, last month we saw just under 2% price growth in the housing sector alone. Uh, If we're relying on settled sales, we may miss out Um, if we're pricing a property that way. So it's critical that you understand um, or provide the valuer with some more recent um, sales that are already unconditional to help them understand what may have happened between when the data was recorded or last recorded and what's happened in the weeks since because that provides some further evidence to support the price that you've paid. So doing a bit of homework and obviously being a bit proactive, I guess, with with the valuation side of it, um, and also, as you say, supporting that with some sales um, and some current sales as well. It, it, it's always a risky thing, um, I guess, for everyone, and that's probably why it's a fear. Not only if a valve doesn't stack up, well, your your property falls through. You're back to the realestate.com and all those portals trying to trying to shop again, and and all those frustrations that people do have. Um, and it's also for the seller and for the agent, the selling agent as well. Um, if that falls through. The campaign begins again and, and off they go. And I think that, just sorry, just um, off the back of um, that conversation, you know, there's a lot of buyers, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, who are putting forward unconditional offers. They're not putting in a finance clause, and yet they are stretching beyond the level that's supported by the most recent comparative settled sales. Now, that obviously does come with a level of risk. Um, in the event that evaluation does not stack up and you do not have Um, the security of a finance clause in a contract, then uh, either you can't settle because you can't get the funds. And of course, in that instance, you would be in breach of the contract and the seller might have the right to retain the deposit that you've paid or 
resell the property and um, sue you, you know, for damages, which may include all of their costs, um, including real estate agent fees, legal fees, and any shortfall in the price that you offered versus the price that the next buyer might be willing to offer. So that's a significant risk. Um, And I guess if you do have the capacity to put forward more cash, that is the other option. So in the event that a valuation does not stack up and you cannot withdraw because you've uh, failed to put forward a finance clause in the contract, then you, the the valuer or rather the bank might support the loan to 80% of the valuation amount and you have to cover the shortfall with additional cash or equity. So, you know, that is the risk you take in the current market by extending to secure a property that might not be supported by recent comparative sales um, and not having the security of that finance clause in place. So it's a big risk and it's something to be aware of. And and it probably leads me to, a, a again, another story of a uh, auction that we attended recently. Um, went to the auction, it passed in at auction and um, there was probably, look, there's probably 20, 30 odd people, probably 30 odd people there. Um, only a few groups that were bidding passed in at the auction. They tried to negotiate post-auction um, on the Saturday and then on the Monday, Offers were closing all of a sudden at, at 12 o'clock. They opened it up to anyone that wanted to make an offer on the property, closing at 12 o'clock. And, and then um, all of a sudden, Monday afternoon, it's advertised for offers over a certain amount. And that's and it was almost $200,000 over the amount that it passed in. Yeah, that's a really interesting story because obviously not everybody can bid under auction conditions. Um, so you know, given that the property did not reach the reserve at auction and passed in, um, that happens sometimes uh, because quite often there's buyers that do need to rely on conditions such as a finance clause and therefore they wouldn't be able to bid at auction. However, in this particular instance, um, that the buyers were all given an extra two days to put forward any conditional offers. So, you know, they needed to be over the amount that the property um passed in for at auction. However, you know, even with conditional offers in this instance, uh, the seller's expectations were not met. And as Scott mentioned, the property was then listed um, 24 hours later with a price update at offers over a certain amount. And that the amount listed was 200,000 more than what the property priced in, uh, passed in uh, for at auction. Now that presents in itself a huge risk for anyone putting forward an offer um, on that property, especially if that offer is not conditional to a finance clause, because there's huge risk there that that property may not val up. The market determines the value of a property. And when there's multiple registered bidders who reach a certain level at auction, and then there's multiple offers put forward under uh, various conditions, and it still does not meet seller's expectation. In my opinion, that tells me that um, the sellers uh, or the vendors' expectations are not in line with the market. Mm, or the agents. And and that makes me wonder how that's going to bow up. But anyway, we'll move on from that one. <laughs> um, I, I guess the other thing I do see quite a bit, and it's probably a bit of a fear, because with the, with the market moving so fast and people only having a short time to do inspections and spend time there looking at it, they don't generally get multiple inspections. Um, it's generally sort of one inspection and they move on. Um, is is incidents or issues coming up in a building and pest? 
inspection? I think, yeah, there's very little time to spend at a property before buyers are having to put forward an offer. Not so the case in an auction campaign, but definitely the case when properties are listed by private treaty. We do have a situation in Brisbane where most properties are selling after that first open home. And generally at the open home, there's a lot of buyers um, moving through the property. You generally only have, um, you know, half an hour at the most to do your inspection. And it's really for some buyers, not a lot of time to understand the ins and the outs of the property and really have a good poke around. So I know that for some buyers, they can feel quite anxious going into a building and pest inspection simply because, you know, they can't really remember much about the property after such a short inspection. And I know that's something that, um, you know, some of our buyers, you know, get comfort from in the fact that Scott can attend that building and pest inspection on their behalf and uh, provide a lot of clarity over the true condition of the property. Yeah, and as we've mentioned previous in, in previous episodes, um, some agents will supply a building and pest report um, when they go to sell the property. That's always good as long as you know what you're looking at. Uh, and it's always good then to have a look at the property to understand what it is that you're actually looking at beforehand. Um, but, you know, you really need to make sure that you uh, – Look, I always have that building and pest condition there if you, if you can. Um, so you can spend that hour or so having a look around the property, getting to know what it is. If there's any issues there, well, then you can openly have a discussion with the agent about them as well. Um, so it's not a shouldn't be a stressful time for people. It, it's pretty calm and relaxed and um, go out and have a look at them. I actually got one today I've got to go to uh, in the middle of the day as well. So I think that, you know, the anxiety comes from the fact that for a lot of people, it's such an emotional journey just to be able to secure a property and then, you know, their concerns then come in. What if there's an issue that comes up at the building and pest? We've finally secured the property that we're after. What if there's a problem? Um, and I think that, you know, in the event that something does come up at a building and pest inspection, it's important not to panic, but actually, as Scott mentioned, work through any of those issues because, you know, the building itself, anything can be fixed and it just comes down to negotiating any problems that do arise at that point in time. Um, you can never change the location, but the building itself, in most cases, everything is fixable. So, you know, it just comes down to open and effective communication. And I think that's probably my biggest tip on that one as well. Um, just the open, honest communication um, with the agent so that you're not you're not hiding anything you're not just, and just, just open everything up, talk about it and have that open discussion between a buyer and a seller. Um, and um, I'm sure things can work out. So um, look, moving through the journey, I guess the next thing is um, the fear of banks of the timing. Um, they're under a lot of pressure at the moment. Um, what about things when it comes to settlement for those settlement periods with banks? Is, is that obviously a concern? Look, we're definitely um, seeing for some buyers uh, that banks are quite stretched and, you know, right up till settlement day, we're still waiting for all of the finalities to fall in place. Um, my only advice there for buyers, and these this includes buyers who are pre-approved, banks are so busy at the moment, there's so many transactions going through, um, they're often, you know, not picking up files quickly and that causes a lot of anxiety for buyers especially post purchase when they've they are unconditional and they're waiting for settlement to take place now you know we've we've heard that there's been a number of buyers um, who have been unable to meet settlement time frames and of course if you can't meet settlement time frames. There can be penalties under the contract for default interest if you do need to extend that settlement period. And that's really important for you to understand 
as a buyer that that can happen. Um, again, open communication, in some instances that may be out of your control, but open communication with the sales agent and the seller is absolutely important if, you know, the bank's have been a bit slow in, in getting everything in place. But one thing I will say is that there is a responsibility on you as the buyer to ensure that if the banks are requesting any additional documentation, if the banks have sent any forms to be signed, that you're actually completing that immediately, that you're not the cause of the delay because banks are working at capacity to turn around some of the, um, the loans for buyers at the moment because of the buyer volume. So it's critical that you're not the cause of the delay because it can come back to bite you at settlement and, you know, default interest can be charged to you if you aren't able to settle on time. And, and again, I think on that one as well, just being proactive, just touching base, whether you're working with a bank or a broker and, and just keeping updated, just how's things moving? Is there anything you need? Is everything on track? Uh, leave, do it every few days. It's, it's not hassling. It's just keeping up to date and making sure everything is on track as per the time frame that you are in a, in a contract. I mean, you've signed a contract, so... Um, you've got to make sure you can meet those dates. Um, and it's just a case of just being a bit proactive and make sure things are moving, make sure there's nothing they need that you need to help them out with. Yeah, of course, the banks are not the ones that have signed the contract. You're the one that signed the contract. So, you know, any um, problems that come up, they're going to be, you're going to be liable, not the bank. So it is important that you keep on top of um, the professionals that you've engaged to assist you, make sure that the mortgage broker is keeping on top of the bank um, because at the end of the day, everybody wants a successful outcome. So I think hopefully that's covered a few areas of well, what, we, what we've called probably buyer's biggest fears. Um, I think the biggest tip out of that is obviously be proactive, be patient, um, and, and obviously don't rush into things. Make sure you do your homework and, and understand understand the market and what's happening out there as well. So just do a bit of homework, be patient. Um, things happen for a reason, so you just keep shopping away. So I'll let, uh, I'll let you wrap up again, Melinda, as usual. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We will talk again next week. I think it's getting around towards market update time. So a bit more data and uh, information on that. Melinda will talk a lot more, obviously, in that next week. So Look forward to chatting again soon. Take care and bye for now. Yeah, one of my favourite episodes will be coming up next week. So I've got a week to prepare all that data that I will be sharing with you. But in the meantime, um, if you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, and we have received a few emails from some of the listeners saying how much they are enjoying the podcast. So, you know, the way you can thank us most is by leaving us a review um, on your the podcast player that you tune into. That would be very much appreciated. We'd be very grateful if you were able to do that. As usual, don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and family. Um, let them know some of the useful information and property buying tips for Brisbane that we do share with the community. As always, um, we've enjoyed bringing this episode to you once again and we look forward to chatting again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.